felt like I'd found some sort of miracle cure because I instantly felt so, so much better. Like, for example, even little skin tags that I'd started to get, I was like, what, what is this? They disappeared. Welcome to You Cured What? The podcast of reversing the irreversible. This is where you hear how real people are healing from conditions that most people think they're stuck with for life. I'm your host, Joe Kalb. If I had to give you some medical advice, I'd go to medical school and get a medical degree. Seriously, nothing in this podcast is medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute as such. Now, enjoy the You Cured What? conversation. Today, I am being joined from Northwest England by a passionate individual with an important story related to a condition which impacts an ever-increasing number of people around the world, type 2 diabetes. Deborah Scott has reversed her type 2 diabetes, and she is eager to get the message to people as to how. Welcome to the podcast, Deborah. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. And uh, thank you very much for inviting me, Joe, as well. Well, thank you for coming on. And my understanding is that uh, you have a uh, family history of type 2 diabetes. And um, up until, you know, just a few years ago, you understood it to be a chronic and uh, progressive condition. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, I do have it in the family. Um, my mother was type 2 diabetic. Um, also, my younger sister was diabetic. And uh, we've got aunts, uncles, cousins, you name it. When we go to a family gathering, we're all at the bar. And this, it's growing constantly, this group of the diabetics in the family. So, yes, we, we do have it massively in our family. And um, in my head, uh, it, is, it is a progressive disease because I saw my mum, when she was diagnosed, progressively get worse. Even though she was on more and more medication, that didn't seem to be resolving the diabetes it was probably putting it at bay, the, the sugars a little bit, uh, maybe for six months, and then she'd have more medication. And then finally, she went on insulin. And um, so I, I witnessed all that and, uh, and the complications that came with it as well. Well, what are some of those, um, some of those complications that typically come along for the ride with type 2 diabetes? Well, uh, with my mom, uh, she ended up registered blind. She had sores on her legs that wouldn't heal. Um, she had numbness in her fingers. She even trapped her fingers in my car door one day and she didn't even feel it. Um, her feet, she didn't have any feeling with the neuro neuropathy in the feet. Um, she had very high blood pressure, uh, kidney issues, skin problems. Um, basically, it can affect every part of your body. And I think with my mom, it, it actually did do that. Uh, and as I said, my uh, a sibling actually had type 2 diabetes as well. Uh, I'm not too sure 100% on the symptoms there, but uh, she opted to go for um, a gastric bypass. And um, that actually did reverse the diabetes, drastic weight loss. And, um, and that's, a, that was, that's an alternative, you know, uh, to reversing type 2. So I knew it could be done uh, one way or another, and I'd heard um, that you could reverse it, but I didn't know how. 
Uh, and um, then my understanding is um, a couple years ago, or just a, um, a little over a couple of years ago, uh, you went into the doctor and got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes yourself. Is that is that right? Yes, I did, actually. Um, I, I wasn't feeling very well. I had um, constant heartburn. Um, and I hadn't had that since I'd had my children, which was some 20, nearly 30 years previous. Um, an urgency to go to the toilet. I had a, a, a dry mouth. And um, I just thought it was time to, to go and get myself sorted. Uh, you know, you, can't, you can bury your head in the sand, but I thought this could be something sinister. So that's why I booked the appointment. And um, I actually did say to the doctor, um, do you think it could, with my dry mouth, do you think it could be that I'm diabetic? So he did a finger prick test in, in the doctor's surgery, and it was um, 5.6, which uh, actually I know now is quite a good reading. So he said, I'd be very surprised if he was type 2 diabetic. So I was quite happy with that. Uh, and then when the blood results came back, I had to, I was booked in with a diabetic nurse and uh, to give me the bad news. And uh, I, I was formally diagnosed as a diabetic. And um, the, the blood sugar readings were, we class it as um, at 62 over here. Anything over 47 is diabetic. And I came in at 62, which is equivalent to 7.8. And I was completely and utterly devastated because I'd seen how my mum had progressed with hers and there didn't seem to be any hope other than medication. And um, I, I did actually cry for probably two whole days. You know, you're given a bunch of leaflets to you know, read about it. You, you're booked on a, a one-day course. It's called a Desmond course over here uh, to go through nutrition with you. And, and basically, you're given an appointment in another six or 12 months' time to check your blood sugars. And uh, I said to the diabetic nurse, um, what about blood glucose testing? Do, we, do I get a little monitor? And apparently, when you're type 2 and, uh, you know, when you're not on medication and uh, you're not on insulin or certain types of medication, you don't, you're not encouraged to do blood glucose testing. So basically, that to me is like crossing the road without with a blindfold on you know you, you've got to if you had high blood pressure you'd be testing your blood pressure wouldn't you with a monitor so I don't know why that's any different so basically yes I got this bunch of leaflets and um, I was left high and dry with this diagnosis of type 2 diabetes I'd seen what it ha what happened to my mum and I'd, I'd read articles on other people and I knew it wasn't good so yes I was devastated so it, it sounds like you weren't given a very coherent strategy for how to mitigate this uh, this condition that you are now diagnosed with. Um, is you know what what went through your mind at that point, and uh, what did you what did you do next after those? You know, you yeah. mentioned for two days you were uh, you know you were very upset about it. What did you do after that? I was, well, I'll go back to my um, appointment, actually, with the diabetic nurse. When she gave me the diagnosis, I was upset, but I kind of held it together then. And I said, to, she uh, said, okay, you've got to take this metformin. And uh, she told me how much I would need to take. And it's kind of, uh, 
gradually increasing over three weeks. And I kind of said, um, hang on a minute, because in my head, I know you can reverse it. So will you bear with me for two months while I maybe try to do something myself? And she was really, she was really good. My surgery had been supportive, actually. So she said, yep, um, that was December the 8th, 2017. And she booked me an appointment for the February 2018, just to see how I was doing. And um, I went home that day and I got my laptop out and I just Googled two words, reversing diabetes. And it took me to diabetes.co.uk and the low carb program. And actually, um, I didn't know what a carbohydrate was, Joe, really, because I hadn't really listened at school. And uh, I had to Google what a carbohydrate was as well. And apparently carbohydrates turn to sugar. So it made sense to go on a low carbohydrate diet. So I thought, well, that makes sense. And then it was kind of a low carbohydrate, but high fat diet, which made me quake in my shoes because I'd, you know, for all my life, practically adult life, I'd been doing low fat diets and losing a bit of weight, putting it all back on again. But it seemed to be, you know, it worked for a certain amount of time. Well, anyway, to cut a long story short, I did look into fats. And there are many healthy fats and the low carbohydrate diet is full of healthy fats. You know, your avocados, your eggs, your creams, your cheese, uh, your chia seeds. Uh, there's so many healthy fats, olives, olive oil. And, uh, and it's all the things I like, actually. So um, I kind of started straight away on this low carbohydrate diet. I'd never watched what I ate before. Never. I'd eaten what I wanted, um, you know. Well, when I added up how many carbohydrates I was having, it was probably about 250 to 300 grams a day. Now, to put that in perspective, I probably have about 30 grams a day now. I've never really counted. I just guesstimate. And I have my protein and my healthy fats. Um, but I did, uh, did do that straight away. And I saw changes immediately with how I felt uh, in myself, my weight and because uh when you go on to diabetes.co.uk onto the forum uh and, and not just that site by the way there was this facebook uh forums there's uh this social media forums galore for diabetics uh, there's nothing in my community to be honest except for a six monthly appointment but there is help out there in social media and that's where i found all my help so basically, uh, they were encouraging other diabetics, the newbies, which I was a newbie, to test the blood glucose with a little monitor. Uh, and I still have my monitor to, to this day. Uh, so I started testing and, and putting it in a little, um, a little food diary, which I, I still keep because I, I do talks on it now and I try and help other people. So basically test before you eat and you test two hours after. And you see how your blood sugars are coping with that food. And um, I found out I wasn't coping well at all with starchy carbohydrates. Now then, this is conflicting with the advice I was given in my booklets because the advice was telling me to eat 50% of my food should be starchy carbohydrates. So it was really hard to get my head around. Like the official advice, the guidelines were eat plenty of fruits, plenty of starchy carbohydrates, you know, your pastas, your rice, your potatoes, your bread, 
your lots of fruit, make sure you have all your, you know, five fruits and veg a day. And yet when I was going on the diabetic forums, it was completely more or less the opposite. Yeah, that, that is uh, fascinating. It hadn't, you know, when I was thinking about your story and uh, thinking about the story of a lot of type 2 diabetics and the kind of confusing messaging they may get, um, I think a, a skeptic might hear someone like you who has success with the low-carb diet may might say like, well, if, you know, if reducing if type 2 diabetes is in large part carbohydrate intolerance and, you know, then you could reduce your carbohydrates, your carbohydrate intake to, you know, help address that condition. You know, if it made that much sense, surely we'd already be doing it. Like that would be the official advice. Well, it's funny you should say that because Obviously, I've been diabetic now for over two years, and I've done a lot of research into it. I didn't know the first thing about nutrition before, but I didn't want to go down the same road as my mum, but I, I actually did my own research. And the guidelines seem to change in 1980. So prior to 1980, there were, uh, it was a low carbohydrate, high healthy, high healthy fats. And I've got loads of printouts from various, uh, you know, 1936, 1970, 1980. And then the guidelines changed because um, uh, they, they did a, a lot of research because the, many people, I think in America, were having heart attacks. So Ansel Keys was brought on board to do to find out why, basically. So he did this uh, several countries research and he, I don't want to sound awful here, but from what I've read, he kind of limited his findings to, I think it was seven countries that yeah. pointed the finger to fats being the problem. So that's when the low fat guidelines came in. And, uh, and, and you can see from 1980, before 1980, people were slim. There wasn't not very many people that were overweight. And then the low fat guidelines came in and all of a sudden you've got the obesity and the diabetes epidemics, which now I realize I can understand why, because low fat products are actually loaded with sugar. You wouldn't know that. Yeah, I wouldn't know that. I would think I was eating healthy. But because now I've taught myself to read all the labels and um, I, I, I'm limiting my carbohydrates intake and, and trying to keep the variety in as well and introduce new things. And it's the low-fat products are just a no-no. Um, so, Well, yeah, it's, you know, I think um, Nina Teichholz's book, The Big Fat Surprise, captures a lot of that story very well that you were just talking about with Ansel Key's research. And, you know, I, I think an important point I took away from that book was when the, the low fat guidelines were implemented, you know, you can't just, you can't just remove fat from the diet. You have to replace it with something. And to your point, a lot of what it got replaced with is sugar or you know, even if it's not straight sugar, it's carbohydrate, which, as you mentioned earlier, ultimately breaks down into sugar effectively in the body. Mm -hmm. exactly. um, so, you know, I, I think that's, um, that's something uh, very interesting as far as uh, the trends we've seen since those um, 
since those guidelines were put into place in 1980. Um, I do want to um, touch back on uh, something you talked about earlier. You know, I think a lot of people are in this position. You know, we don't really, um, a lot of us don't really know what a carbohydrate is versus a fat versus um, protein. You know, those are the three uh, macronutrients that um, that we consume. So, um, would you be able to just give a little bit of a description of what uh, some of the carbohydrate-laden foods are that you started to avoid with your low-carbohydrate well, diet? Actually, um, I did myself um, a little kind of a leaflet. Uh, I've ended up giving it to loads of people as well um, on what to avoid. When I was testing my blood glucose, these are the these are the foods that would put my blood sugars. Well, I call it a spike, so where they go really high. And I've read from from books like Jason Fung, the uh, the Diabetes Code is amazing, and it's kind of I don't read really um i don't read a lot at all but since i've been diagnosed diabetic i have read a few books and his is my favorite because it's so simple um and i think if you go over and, and dr bernstein as well he's like for the type ones if you go over maybe 7.8 then you've got more chance of causing complications especially if it's constant so i had that in my mind and when i was doing my testing i try to avoid going over this particular point. And the, the, the foods that put me over this were bread. And even though, you know, white or brown, you, you're taught to avoid white brown and have wholemeal. It didn't make any difference for my blood sugars. That they still spiked whatever bread it was. And, and pasta, that was another thing that I would avoid. So instead of um, pasta, I would have cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, courgette spaghetti, we call it over here as well. So I'd have my bolognese sauce on a bed of vegetables. I didn't even miss pasta, actually. Uh, rice, that's a brown rice, white rice, that put me up. It, it doesn't matter what colour it is. So I changed that for cauliflower rice and green rice, we call it over here. So say, for example... Um, I used to have a, like a packet, a full packet of Uncle Ben's rice because I was working, coming in, throw a uh, processed food in the oven, put my microwavable rice in the microwave. And now when I'm looking at the carbohydrates, so in a packet, there will be almost 80 grams of carbohydrates. Now, if you think that four grams of carbohydrates probably equates to one teaspoon of sugar, so in that rice alone, I was having 20, 20 teaspoons of sugar. You know, and a jacket potato, I'd maybe put a jacket potato in the microwave. A big jacket potato can be 19 teaspoons of sugar. Your bowl of pasta, your bowl of rice, maybe 10 teaspoons. So coupled up with your, what you've had for your breakfast, you know, which was the healthy orange juice, the wholemeal toast, the muesli with a banana on it, which was probably 21 teaspoons in itself because I have added it up. You know, um, I wasn't, this is how I ended up in the type two boat. So I avoided rice and I swapped it for cauliflower rice, which was practically no carbohydrates. Potatoes I avoided and I, I changed that for celeriac actually. You can, it's versatile, you can mash it, you can use it as chips, you can do boulanger potatoes. Um, it's very, very flexible. Um, and it's really nice. It's tasty. Put with a bit of butter, you know, mash it up a little bit of salt. Chips. 
um, I did like my chips, you know, going out, especially to restaurants. But um, I swap them now for halloumi fries, which is like a cheese. Uh, absolutely delicious. Um, and I can still enjoy going out for, for meals, but I just make better choices, you know. Um, I toss the bun if it's a burger. Um, I don't have the bread, you know. When I have a kebab, I still have my kebab on a Saturday night, uh, but I don't. I have a naked kebab, uh, it's, which basically means I don't have the naan bread. I just have the wholesome meat. Meat's great. No carbs in it. You feel great. I've never felt healthier. So cereals, you know, they were really, really high in sugar. Uh, so now I would have um, like full fat Greek yogurt. I would have kippers, a continental breakfast without the, the bread. I'd have the hams, the cheeses, the olives, um, full fat mayonnaise as well. I would have rather than the low fat, which has got sugar in it. Um, I might just have a coffee and cream, you know, um, a little bit of a class. And I don't class that I do intermittent fasting because I might just skip a breakfast, but I have a coffee and cream. But that can be very, very beneficial for bringing your blood sugars down, the intermittent fasting. Um, eggs, which is great, any which way. Fridge to face in five minutes. It's so quick if you're going out to work. Little omelette, you know, throw a few mushrooms in, onions or whatever, to your own to choice, you know, put some spices in. Um, and obviously avoiding sugar and biscuits and cakes and things like that. But you can, you know, if you Google... Uh, your favourite cake, like chocolate cake, and just put low-carb at the end, voila, you've got your low-carb chocolate cake. So you can still have your cakes. You can still have your cake and eat it, as we say over here. <laughs> um, chocolate. Uh, I thought, hmm, do I have to avoid chocolate? I do like a bit of chocolate. But no, um, following the advice on the forum that, you know, you can have 85% chocolate and above has got the least the least sugar in. So I would still enjoy that with my cup of tea. Um, flour, I would avoid flour, which is quite good because I don't actually really bake anyway. Um, like I said, cakes and fruits. This really blew my mind because I would have two bananas as a working lunch if I was busy. I worked in a, for a medical company. So busy, I didn't have chance to stop, so I just have two bananas. When I look back now, a banana can actually be equivalent to 10 teaspoons of sugar, and I was having two for my lunch, you know. And then, because I was probably having a high, I feel really flat and deflated in the afternoon because you get this kind of sugar rush, and I, I never realized why. And I didn't realize why I was putting weight on because my body had started to sh struggle with the sugar because it was being overloaded, basically. And um, what it can't deal with, it stores as fat. And I had kind of a spare tire around here, you know, around my stomach. So it all made perfect sense uh, to lower the carbohydrates. And, uh, and, you know, I did like an ice cream, but I found an ice cream that is low carb, it's low sugar. So there's, there's swaps for everything. So I, I did like a little sheet, you know, for, for myself. And it's actually, I think it's making its way around the world at the moment, but it's just simple swaps. So I, that's how I did it, you know, because um, just just got rid of the, the main culprits. Okay. And is there an online version of that uh, swap sheet? Um, well, not really. But what I intend to do, I mean, people can email me and the personal message me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot with my own surgery, to be honest, because um, when I went back, getting back to my journey um, yeah. in the February, uh, the diabetic nurse took my blood and it came back as 47. Now, it probably won't mean a lot to you, but 42 to 47 is pre-diabetic. 
and she couldn't believe it. She said, nobody's come through that door doing what you're doing. And I thought she meant carrying all my books because I'd done loads of research and I'd cut all the cuttings <laughs> out. I said, oh, you mean all this? She went, no, your HbA1c coming down so quickly. And then it's, it's down, it was down even more in the May. It was down to, in the 30s. And now my last one, just in the November, was 36. So that equates to 5.4. And that's not particularly, you know, there is a lower carb. There's what's called a keto diet, which is 20 grams of carbs or less. I probably do about 30. I only guesstimate, you know, give or take a few. I don't even count my protein. I, I don't like counting. And I don't count my fats. I've had all my blood results done. They're absolutely optimal. Um, you know, my my team of, of diabetic nurses at the surgery actually send patients to me now. I have my own surgery. Um, I could do it a few times a month, but I've got to work as well. So I do one once a month. And they're sending patients to me because, and they're offering a low carbohydrate way of eating. And also I developed a four page leaflet. So it's, it's the basics of um, my symptoms, my diagnosis, how I felt devastated, not given any hope, basically told it's progressive and take this medication. Um, also it explains how we become diabetics as well. You know, basically, today's day and age, it's so much processed foods and so much sugar hidden. It's hidden under over a hundred different names in our food. So, you know, it's just being more savvy and, and uh, nutritional aware, really. Low carb, the basics, what you can eat, what to avoid, alcohol, you know, um, blood sugar monitoring, exercise. You know, you can't outrun a bad diet. So uh, having said that, I, I didn't really do a lot of exercise, just maybe a fair bit of walking. Yeah, I got a Fitbit, tried to do 10,000 steps, not always you know, able to do that. Life gets in the way, but as often as I could. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a good four-page leaflet, and it gives you some suggestions on what to have. Um, like I said, I do email this regularly to, to anybody that wants it, really. And also, there's, a, there's an amazing doctor called Dr. David Unwin, uh, and he's local. And um, he's actually come up with some infographs, because, to be honest, all this talk about sugars and uh, what to eat and what not, what not to eat, it, it kind of does go over your head until you see how the foods are equated to in sugars. And he's done um, infographs. Uh, it's, they're available online. You can print them off. Simple, what a potato equates to, what your starchy carbohydrates do, all uh, advice on how to become healthier and what the low-carbohydrate diet helps with. Uh, as you know yourself, it's not just diabetes. I lost four stone, which is 56 pounds, in seven months, I lost a stone, which was 14 pounds, in less than a month, just by changing what I ate. In the second month, I lost another stone. And then it took, you know, uh, you know, uh, maybe four months to lose another. So I've got to my ideal weight. I've never been as confident about myself in the whole of my adult life. You know, I, I've got... It's like a miracle way of eating because for me, the, the, the fat just melted away with it. So, and it's so good for, you know, my blood pressure, which was 
borderline. I've got a couple of doctors in the family and um, they said, really, you, you really should be on medication for that because it was quite, it was very high. But now my blood pressure, I'm positively an athlete. <laughs> it's so good. You know, so everything, all my, my health markers are all absolutely brilliant with this, with a few simple changes. That's how I feel yeah. about it. A few simple swaps on the sheet has made my life 100% better. I feel great in myself. I look, I've told my husband tells me I look great. Um, <laughs> you know, he's biased. Uh, but, yeah, it's just I just feel that this is so beneficial and it could be so beneficial for so many more if it was given as an option. And that's why I'm, you know, working with my own surgery. They're very supportive. They're giving me my own session to help surgery. When you say your own surgery, um, that's not a a term I'm familiar with. Uh, what uh, can you describe? What that is all about? Oh, okay, uh, my doctor's practice. So oh, if okay. I'm poorly, I would go to we call it a GP surgery uh, or GP practice. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, so that's yeah. So that's who I uh, obviously I went back to the diabetic nurse and great results. Went back again four months later. And I'm in the 30s, and she said, only bariatric surgery patients have done this. And I was like, you know what? This is because it's not offered as an option. At least offer it. You know, I didn't know about low carbohydrate. I had to Google diet, reversing diabetes. It should be given as an option. So now, during the two years I've been diagnosed, we've got Dr. Unwin with the Public Health Collaboration. So that's lots of doctors and consultants and healthcare professionals all coming together to drive it forward. It's the word is spreading all across the globe. You are nodding before, so you know you've even heard of Dr. Unwin, and you're in oh, yes. wherever you are in the world. Uh, right. So it's really and and also they've developed um, a low carb program, so that can actually be prescribed by doctors now. But it's kind of hidden, and not every doctor's aware of it. So it's just trying to get the story, get the message out there. So I do my little bit as and when I can. The doctors like Dr. Unwin, um, Joanne McCormack, and so many more are really getting behind it, Jason Fung, and from all over the world, just to give people the option and give them hope. Give them hope. Don't just say, you are type 2 diabetic. This is the medication you'll be on. It's going to be progressive. You'll be on more and more medication, and you may ultimately end up on insulin, which basically... To me, medication just is like a mop and bucket. It doesn't actually get rid of the sugar. You have to stop the leak. So you have to stop the sugars going in. Uh, and that's the way I look at it. It kind of simplifies it to me. So, yes, I work with my surgery, my, my GPs and my healthcare professionals. I do presentations. Anyone that will listen to me, uh, I'm there. Uh, so I've actually invested in a projector and um, I'm doing a PowerPoint. I'm not very technical at all, but I've managed to put a PowerPoint presentation together on my journey. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a healthcare professional. This is just what worked for me, what I avoided to bring my blood sugars down, to stop my symptoms, you know, and hopefully keep diabetes type 2 at bay. Um, but not just type 2, I because I'm on a lot of forums, type 1s are benefiting you know, but having they can reduce their insulin. Yes, they will always have to have insulin, but they don't need to have so much insulin, which makes them healthier. The metabolic, you know, you probably know more than I do because, like I said, I'm not a doctor. It's only what I'm reading. 
So it's going in the right direction and we just have to keep trying to make people aware you can do this, you know, you you, you can do this yourself and then it's not hard. Yeah, that's um, that's a fabulous testimony to uh, the power of um, the power of this dietary change. I think we are seeing it both, uh, you know, both in your home country, my home country. Uh, you mentioned Dr. Jason Fung. Um, he's really gotten the word out a lot here in the states, and there are a lot of other uh, doctors beginning to come on board with this. There are the um, the hosts of the Low Carb MD podcast, they do a great job, Dr. Brian Lenskis and uh, Dr. Tro Kalajian. I mean, there are all sorts of great resources out there. It's, it's good to know that there are so many support options um, available. And um, as you mentioned, um, I think there's a little bit of the wisdom of crowds. I think it oh. seems like you've uh, found that in the forums you've participated in. Can you go into that a little bit? Well, yes, I think the wisdom of the crowds. Um, there, there is actually, I was going to say, Google is brilliant as well. If you put reversing diabetes in and go to videos, you'll come up with Dr. Tro, Dr. David Cavan, Dr. Jason Funk. It's brilliant because I could, I'm not really into reading Many people aren't. You can just watch the video. Uh, so, so the, yeah. So getting back to the wisdom of the crowd. So when I was diagnosed and I brought down my HbA1c so quickly and so relatively easily, I couldn't believe that they were still actually advocating this high-carb diet, especially as when I was testing, it, it really shows, obviously, you're having all these spikes following that. So I actually have a Libra sensor now. So this is probably because of my talks and everything, so I can do demonstrations. So it's a little sensor on your arm, and you can scan, so it's 24-7, and you can see exactly what how your body deals with things. So I knew I wasn't wrong. I knew this was the right way. And listening to everybody on the internet, you know, I joined Twitter, uh, Facebook. You go on any forum, and the diabetics are saying, this is the best way to do it. You know, you've got your Michael Mosley, which is the 800 calories, uh, 8 or 12 weeks diet. But this way, I started low carb straight away. I've never felt hungry, which was something that was alien to me because the fats keep you full for longer. So, you know, I might only eat twice a day because I'll probably have a coffee and cream in the morning and, you know, uh, just a, a, a brunch and a, and a dinner. So it does keep you full. But there was so many people shouting together saying, why is nobody listening to us? So we kind of all got a little bit more vocal. And, you know, whereas I would probably just speak to the patient to patient within my community, I was like, more people need to be aware of this. I could, I can't do anything for my mum now. She's deceased, you know, and she's, she suffered so much. But maybe I can help other people's mums. Maybe I can help other people's relatives, other people's friends. So I'm very active, but I'm not the only one. There's so many people out there. Um, I pulled together an event uh, when I'd actually got my blood sugars down to in the 30s. And I, I went on the forum and I said, does anybody want to get together? We'll meet somewhere in the middle of England, like Birmingham. Let's bring our big pants because when you go on this diet, so many people lose so much weight. So we all brought our big pants with us and um, 
diabetes.co.uk, actually, the PR team said, we'll come and we'll take photographs and we'll video you and we'll spread the message. And, and as a result of that, um, talking about the wisdom of the grass, we've been in newspapers, we've been on the radio, we've been, uh, we've, I've even been on TV, uh, breakfast TV, with Holly and Phil, you probably haven't heard of them, but they are, everybody loves them. And um, so, you know, just to get the word out, just to say there is an alternative. So yes, it's that snowball is definitely getting bigger. Uh, the voice is getting louder. And with, with technology like um, continuous glucose monitors, which actually show exactly what the sugar's doing in your body, there's no way that it can be ignored for much longer. So, And actually today, I did read that the government and the Public um, Health England are considering low-carb for type 2 diabetics. So that oh, is wow. massive. So, yeah, so... It, it does seem like uh, there are some waves of change going. Uh, you mentioned that going on in England. I know uh, the American Diabetes Association um, allows for uh, therapeutic carbohydrate restriction in uh, their guidelines now as a result of the Verda Health study, which reversed type 2 diabetes in a single year in 60% of uh, the patients in a, um, in a controlled study. Um, there are, and oh, even the, uh, the CEO of the American Diabetes Association has spoken recently about how she is mindful of her carbohydrate intake. And, you know, she doesn't use the word low carb, but she has spoken to Dr. Bernstein or Bernstein or Bernstein. I don't know how to pronounce it, but you referenced him earlier. Um, she's spoken to him and she, uh, manages her own uh, type 2 diabetes, um, you know, by being mindful of the carbohydrates that she eats and the impact that that has on her body. Um, I do want to uh, turn back to um, to your story a little bit. Um, I'm curious, at the time of your, um, of your diagnosis, um, what was your age at that point? Um, well, I'm 57 now, so I was 55. You're 55. So this, um, I just wanted to call that out because I think a lot of people tend to think like, oh, you know, maybe once you, um, I don't know, that there's some kind of cutoff as far as when you can really make an impact on your health and like, oh, you know, it just, um, you know, oh, it's too late or you know, maybe once you hit your 30s, like, oh, you're kind of, you've already laid out your path. But, you know, at very quickly, um, at age 55, you were able to uh, really transform your health. And in the span of uh, two months, from December of 2017 until February 2018, in two months, you dropped your HbA1c from 62 to 47. Mm -hmm. And then by May, so we're talking, we're talking uh, about five months, you dropped it all the way down into the 30s? Mm -hmm. I mean, 39. that's... Actually, 39 by July, a 41 okay. uh, May, going off the okay. uh, But my latest one in November was 36. 
Okay. And actually, I've got um, a home A1C testing kit, which I got offline. So I can kind of keep a track, even though I've, I'm monitoring myself. And you can put it in little apps on your, on your phone. So I kind of got a rough idea. I do it like a home test just to make sure I'm on track because I'm helping so many people as well. And it's just oh. amazing that, yeah. But getting back to your own, Tracy Brown, actually, the CEO of the ADA, I watched that video. And she was on, she was diabetic for many years. And she was on various medication. And she went through that interview. I think she was down to one medication in quite a short space of time as well. So it doesn't matter. I know from doing my research, it doesn't matter what age you are. You can do it. It doesn't matter what medication you are. If you think, oh, I'm on insulin now, I won't be able to come off insulin. That's not right. You, you do have to work closely with your healthcare professionals Absolutely. because obviously if you're on insulin, you know, the hypos and hypos, et cetera. So working close with them, uh, I going back to my Birmingham meeting, uh, when everybody came with the big trousers, we all put our statistics together on, a, on a sheet, another sheet of paper. And it showed, say, for example, I, I have got it here, actually. Um, it was, the, I think somebody was at about 125 HbA1c which is very high and uh, they came down to 33 that was the biggest wow 33 Uh, so don't let it put anybody off you can do it however old you are whatever age you are uh whatever medication you're on uh i'm speaking as a type two obviously it's different type one is an autoimmune disease so that's completely different really um so uh there is hope for everybody there really is, and that's um, that's phenomenal. And I think it's an interesting phenomenon in the sense that, you know, you just mentioned you had a big, you had a large gathering of people who have been very successful with this approach. And, you know, there are thousands and thousands. Oh, wow, you're showing me the picture now. That's, uh, that's a great, uh, great photo um, showing all the, the large trousers that... Uh, that you all used to wear, um, you know, that group has had su- such success. And there are thousands and thousands of people online who have had this success. It's just interesting, the phenomenon that this, um, this method exists just outside of the mainstream view. And it, you know, it just took you kind of one Google search to find it. But that's, you know, it's just something that isn't offered at a you know at most um, most doctors, most GPs at your initial consultation about type two diabetes. You just aren't presented with this option. So um, you know, I I think it's clear that um, you know you're desperate to get the word out to people, and um, you know I am too. I want people to know about these options when you see it benefit so many people in so many ways. Um, I'm curious with, um, you know, going to your story, you mentioned, you know, not only your, uh, your blood sugars dropped, your HbA1c dropped right away, but you mentioned earlier that you pretty much immediately noticed big changes in, um, in how you felt. So I'm curious, could you uh, go into uh, detail on some of those things, you know, from your diagnosis with type two diabetes, um, and then after embarking on a low carbohydrate diet, what were some of the uh, subjective changes in how you felt? 
how I felt in myself, um, probably uh, absolutely elated. I felt like I'd found some sort of miracle cure because I instantly felt so, so much better. Like, for example, even little skin tags that I'd started to get, I was like, what, what is this? They disappeared. And apparently that's insulin resistance as well. That can start that. All my symptoms went. So straight away I was feeling really healthy. Uh, you know, I wasn't having to dash to the toilet. I didn't have the, the heartburn, which was worrying me. Um, and I was losing weight so easily. And this made me feel, I felt empowered, actually, that just, just this way of eating made me feel so good about myself. And the confidence came back. You know, I used to wear leggings. I used to wear baggy T-shirts. It was always black. You know, and people, I'm quite tall, and people say, you know, I never saw you as being big because it was spread out all over me. See, but I was, it was well hidden. So with this new confidence, I was going into the shops, buying clothes off the peg instead of ordering from the catalogue and trying it on at home, going and going into colours. You know, I'd never worn colours. So I was feeling kind of like the new me. I think it was the old me that was buried, but was resurfacing and um, I hadn't seen that old person for, for probably all my adult life because I got married at 24 and it's like, a, you know, you wanted to please my husband with the big dinners and, you know, and gradually when I look back at the photos, I was putting more and more weight on and I had my children and you don't think about yourself and it's, you know, working full time, you process foods and anything for an easy life and maybe probably too much red wine and too many peanuts that went with it. <laughs> so um, I just felt healthier in myself. I felt better. I felt empowered and I felt um, confident in what I was learning to, to help others. There's no way I would have stood in front of a hundred people, a room of doctors and healthcare professionals, council workers, uh, ambulance, fire, uh, to tell my story, to try and help others, as I was uh, the previous me. I was there, standing in front of them with my notes pointed to my slides. It's like a whole new world's been opened to me, honestly. Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> oh, that, that, is, uh, that is terrific. And, um, you know, I think what you just talked about leads into a question that, uh, we always like to ask on this podcast, um, you know, now that you have improved your health, what's one thing you enjoy doing that you couldn't do before? Mm, right. Okay. That's a difficult one, really. Um, <laughs> because I probably could do everything before. I, mean, I even did the canoeing, but it was like a struggle. I just can do things easier now. You know, even when it comes down to, I've got two lovely grandchildren. So even when it comes down to playing with them on the park, I've just got more energy. Um, basically, everything's just easier. I, I can't pin it down to one specific thing that's better now I've done this. Uh, but just in general, just in general, I just feel better. Well, how have your um, your family members and your friends? How have they responded to uh, to your changes these last uh, last few years? Well, if my husband had a pound for every time I've mentioned the word diabetes, he would be a millionaire. He's my <laughs> rock. He's a saint. Uh, he's been so supportive. He's not diabetic, but I will add that he ha had um, 
issues with his blood pressure. Uh, he was already on one uh, lot of medication and they were threatening another one because his blood pressure was up. So I did say, why don't you try a low carbohydrate diet? And he himself, his blood pressure is perfect. We've spoken to the, the, the nurse and she's happy not to put him on a, another tablet and he might even come off that one. So, and he's lost almost two stone, which is uh, 28 pounds. So it's beneficial for him, but he's been amazing. I've got a daughter and a son. They have been so... My daughter actually had gestational diabetes with a first child. So she was very strictly monitored uh, with a second baby. She didn't get the gestational because she'd put... She'd changed, you know, she'd made some uh, serious swaps with what she was eating. She didn't want to go down that road again. So you can actually do it. But great supportive family and um, we don't have a massive family actually over here my family are from Ireland uh, my mum was Irish so I've got a family a lot of family in Dublin uh, but my friends super supportive uh, I'm very active on social media so uh, you know quite a few people want to lose weight so uh, they've I've been supporting them they've been supporting me it's like a two-way street uh, and they send me photographs of their journey of how they're losing weight it, really gives me a boost that I think I can help other people down the same road. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just can only thank everybody in my life for, for being so supportive because I can tend to bang on a bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we appreciate it. And I think it's getting a very important message out there. When you talk about everything in your life just getting easier and it just seems like... Uh, you know, you have more energy and more uh, vitality um, mm. to go about your life. Like, that's something anyone would would dream to have. And um, you're offering information that could be really beneficial to help people achieve that same thing. So, um, so that's wonderful. Um, yes, and I, I would just add that. I, I haven't been paid a penny for this. Uh, I, I just do it because I don't want... If I can help somebody avoid getting into the same boat as me, because I will always be a type 2 diabetic, you know, I've got insulin resistance, it's just, I'm keeping it at bay, you know, uh, so I've just, I've always got to be wary, but if I can help anybody else along my journey, that's all I want to do. Uh, I'm not bothered about being paid. Um, I might go down the, the road of, uh, of asking for some funding, just for printing, because if you saw my table now, it's full of leaflets, you know, that I hand out to whoever. Uh, and uh, so that would be helpful, a little bit of uh, help towards the printing and uh, the petrol if I'm going to do my, my talks. But I don't take anything for it. I'm just happy to help. Um, you know, when I hear, I was saying before, Dr. David Unwin, you know, I was yeah. listening to a podcast actually from him. And uh, he, he gave us an example that when he came into medicine, uh, in 1986, he had 57 patients that were type 2. Mainly, he, it was classed as an illness of the elderly. Jump ahead to 2012, then he had 472 from the same population. So it can't be genetic. It's the same population and all sorts of ages as well. And the lowest, uh, the, the youngest was 10 years of age. So that poor child has got a lifelong you know, battle with diabetes unless they make the changes, unless, you know, the parents kind of take it on board. Um, but it's education. You know, I have educated myself. I didn't know what a carbohydrate was. 
I've Google, thankfully, we have Google, and a lot of us have got it in the palm of our hands. My mum didn't have. If I could wind the clock back, you know, I didn't know. If I knew then what I know now, things could be so different. But I can't look back. Like I said before, it's all about moving forward and, and spreading the word. And if people want to do it, they can. Some people might prefer to do low calorie. Some people might prefer to do the Mediterranean diet. But from what I've seen, the best results for type 2 diabetics is from a low carbohydrate diet. And also, I, I, I couldn't, um, I've done low cal and I've done other diets and I've lost a stone. And then as soon as you stop and you start eating again, it's all come back on again and more besides. So it was very yo yo dieting for me. Whereas this, I lost the weight in July 18. I've lost my four stone and we are now in 2020 and I'm still the same weight. I even went on a cruise holiday, treated by my husband, and then um, I came back exactly the same weight. We, we did use the stairs and we tried to walk a lot, but we made healthy choices. And we still, I still had my Prosecco, I still had my red wine with my dinner. So you can, you know, you don't have to, and I still had my chocolate. So um, yeah, you can, and I enjoyed my food. Yeah, it doesn't sound like, uh, you know, you're a masochist about it. You don't have to, uh, you know, make yourself suffer over any of this. You're still uh, enjoying your food, enjoying your life. And that's, that's terrific. I uh, like to ask this question. I think based on something you uh, just said, I think I might know what your answer will be, but um, I'd like to get people's thoughts on this. Do you consider yourself cured of type 2 diabetes? If I'm honest, I, will, I think I'll always be diabetic. Uh, because if I go back to my old way of eating, I can tell by my continuous glucose monitor, because I've done a couple of experiments, that it's so my HbA1c will go back up again, and that's when the complications start to set in. So um, would I class myself as reversed? I've reversed my symptoms, and at the moment, I psychologically, I think I've reversed it. It's, it's a good yeah. feeling. Um, probably better saying I'm in remission, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, that um, that makes sense. I just always like to get uh, get the guests' opinion on um, on how they look at that um, that term and yeah, how they look at things. And I think that gives valuable perspective that you know you've really made these big improvements. But if you know, that doesn't mean that uh, if you went back to what you were doing before that. Uh, the reversal of symptoms would continue. Those symptoms may come right back. So they may come right back. I, I don't, you know, there's also, um, if you listen to Dr. Jason Fung as well, the intermittent fasting is spectacular with the results it gets for actually reversing. And, you know, uh, so I'm not saying you can't completely reverse it either, uh, but oh. I, I'm not risking it. I, I'm not going to go back <laughs> to my old way of eating. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Why go away from something that's working so phenomenally? Um, you know, you've mentioned a lot of uh, a lot of great resources so far. Um, are there any other resources that you found have really helped you in your journey that you'd like to call out um, that other people with type two 
might uh, benefit from? Well, um, the one I've benefited from the most would have to be diabetes.co.uk. Now, there is two actually uh, big diabetes groups that, you know, we're actually directed by the NHS, which is our, you know, from England, uh, the NHS medical uh, people, uh, directed to diabetes.org.uk, which basically is 50% starchy carbs, you're told it's going to be progressive, you will be on medication, or diabetes.co.uk, where you go on and they say, do you know what, you can control this, and these are the changes that you can make. And uh, so I would say go to diabetes.co.uk. There's a forum there and there's people from all over the world. We've got many from America, uh, Canada, uh, Australia, you name it. They're all there. And it's there's a thread on practically everything, even down to every day what's going on in the world, uh, chit-chat, what you'd like to eat. Has anybody got favorite recipes? or I'm having problems with my feet, what do you think this is? So the support is there. Um, there's also uh, the public health collaboration, which is, like I said before, lots and lots of doctors and consultants and healthcare professionals with uh, so much information on that. The infographs, which you can print off, you can see the teaspoons of sugar. Um, I would, like I said before, just put reversing diabetes in, hit on your videos, uh, if you put low carb in as well, that's that's even better. Um, books, like I said, I'm not really an avid reader, but you know, you Jason from the Obesity Code, the Diabetes Code, um, Dr. David Cavern helps with his book with Type Ones, uh, Dr. Uh, Bernstein, a very very popular book. So you you know, if you've got Google, you can actually get Google from your library if you haven't actually got it access on your phone over here I don't know if it's the same over there but if you've got a friend with it somebody that can help you um it's it's all there at the end you just put whatever your favorite way of learning is whether it's watching or maybe it's an ebook or a book um or, or going to a site and getting support from you know virtual people and I think many meet up as well there's meetings like I organize that meeting so there's a lot of help out there not so much really I found in my own GP surgery, because at the end of the day, they're very stretched. You've got a 10 minute appointment. What can you get over in that 10 minute appointment? Right. You know, hardly anything. So they can't work miracles, especially with everything that's going on at the world. You know, we've got the obesity as well. People have got problems, there's cancer, there's all sorts going on. So we've got to try and help ourselves. That's the way I look at it. So uh, there's so many resources out there. Yeah, that's terrific. And uh, I think there's so much uh, wisdom to be gleaned from uh, from the internet, from social media. And, you know, you can lean on the experience that people like you have had and uh, that people in the like diabetes.co.uk forums have had. Um, they, they've seen a lot of things. They've seen a lot of people go through this and uh, they're there to help. So, um, that's a terrific opportunity for people if you're looking for support, if you're looking for information about um, about any of the specifics of how to um, you know, implement a low-carbohydrate diet or just how to deal with a diagnosis of uh, diabetes, um, it seems like that can be a, a really beneficial resource along with, as you mentioned just a, a long list of uh, doctors who are 
putting out really good information in a variety of formats online. Um, yeah, I think that's, um, that's a lot of really good information that people can, can use at their own discretion and, you know, maybe even take control over something that would have felt out of control previously. Um, and you've mentioned, Deborah, that um, you're available to help people out. Could you let, um, let people know where they can find you online if, uh, if they want to reach out to you personally? Right. Okay. So, well, I'm very active on uh, Twitter. I do actually have an email address as well that my surgery helped uh, set up with me. So it's T2 Deborah Scott, D E B R A Scott, at gmail.com. So that's my email. And then I'm on Twitter as well um, Deborah Scott at Deb and as Scott. I've got a little card, actually, I had made from eBay. Oh. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Self-funding. They were quite cheap, and the writing is very small, so consequently, I've put my glasses on. So, yeah, so Twitter, Deborah Scott, uh, Deb Andes Scott, and uh, diabetes.co.uk. Uh, my username on that is Deb Andes, which actually is short for Deb and Eric, my rock of a husband so oh. we kind of come as a, a pair now when we do any presentations he's my roadie <laughs> oh, very cool and yeah it gets yeah that's uh that's amazing um and yeah. i will make sure i get um get those links in the show notes for people um so that if if you didn't catch it that's t2debrascott at gmail.com and on twitter deb and as scott um, so D-E-B-A-N-D-E-Z Scott. Um, um, that and is diabetes.co.uk. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to help anybody if anybody's got any questions and uh, if they want any hints and tips on what's worked for me, then I, I'd be absolutely delighted. Okay. That's, uh, that's terrific. Um, you know, I want to be respectful of your time here. Is there anything else that um, that any other message that you want to put out there or anything else that you want to uh, get across before we close here? Yeah, probably. Um, I would just say that uh, the, the main thing for me was, like before I was diagnosed, I did used to eat my breakfast, my lunch, my lemonsies, my, my lunch, uh, my afternoon coffee break with biscuits and my dinner and my supper. And with this way of eating, I've had such a reduced appetite. And the miracle thing is the sugar cravings. Whereas I was craving sugar before, they actually disappear. So I want to, because a lot of people have, you know, because um, they, the powers that be, the food industry do put a lot of sugar in there and sugar I don't know how true it is but it can be as addictive as cocaine or drugs uh, and they, you know there is a lot of sugar out there so you think will I ever be able to stop my sugar cravings well this way of eating completely completely so I just would like to highlight that for anybody that thinks oh I really like you know my sweet stuff and it, it does tend to kind of disappear as well I, that, thank you for bringing that up. I think that's uh, a common snag people run into when they hear about the low-carbohydrate diet initially. 
they just, you know, they think about the, the foods that, um, that they really love the taste of. And a lot of these are very sugary and it, it seems like a very daunting task to, uh, to give that up. And it, it just seems insurmountable at first. But from speaking to you and from speaking to so many other people um, about this who have you know, gone through this transition, I don't think your experience is uncommon in the sense that that kind of sugar craving really uh, dies off and at the very least dissipates, often goes away completely. Um, it, it might seem... Yeah, it seems hard to fathom if you if you're focused on what you'd be giving up, but when you look at all the um, and all the vibrancy, vitality that you've gained, um, I think it can be really helpful to uh, focus on that instead. Focus on what you can gain, and just know that it might seem unrealistic, but that uh, those cravings can go away. Couldn't have put it better myself. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Deborah, thank you so much for uh, sharing your experience, your your wisdom, your perspective with us here today. I think the listeners are going to gain a lot from this. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. You're very welcome. Anytime. Thank you for listening to You Cured What? Join us again soon for another story of healing.